All right, we, I am going to speak on rest and the true rest we have in Christ and the true rest for our souls. Let me get myself organized here. Um, and uh, this is a, a topic that is, is good to me, and, and Lawrence actually mentioned to me as he gave this to me, and I hope I give him a rest uh, from preaching here for the next two weeks. Uh, but it, it is something that I've struggled with, personally have struggled with. Uh, many of you have been through an Exodus class at uh, this, this church. Uh, this is a group that we go through, and we, we work through some of the idols and some of the things that hold us back, some of the things that we need freedom from. Uh, and it's a, a sessions you go each week, and it's kind of like a counseling session, but you're in a group that really tries to speak the truth to you in love. And what came out of that for me was how much I idolized and I worshiped and I sought for rest. And how much I sought for those things that, uh, that I, I was really truly seeking rest, but I wasn't finding it in the true rest for our souls. I was finding it in distracting ways that were actually more harmful for me and for my family uh, and, and led me into areas of sin that I should not have been a part of, all in the, in the name of rest. And as I've talked to some men, uh, men in, in the church and men outside the church, this seems to be a, a pattern uh, among a lot of men, is that we're seeking some sort of rest, some sort of isolation from what we are experiencing in this world, and we get trapped in seeking that in harmful, harmful ways. Well, I wanted to, um, first of all, start off, uh, there was a study in, in February of this year that was done by this uh, organization called um, Project Time Off, and they looked at the American worker. And uh, they looked at the paid time off, the vacation days that the American worker has. And it is a survey that was done to thousands of American workers. And it's, it, what it found was before the year 2000, and this was consistent for, for, for decades, before the year 2000, the American worker got an average of 20 paid days of vacation. This is full-time workers. Uh, an average of 20 days of paid vacation. This is above the holidays that we get for Christmas and for Independence Day and Veterans Day, those holidays, but 20 days of paid vacation. That has been declining every year. And in the year 2015, which the survey ended looking at it in 2015, the average days of vacation are 16 days. Um, and that has been declining. That's nearly a week's worth of work of paid vacation that people are missing. And it's not because the companies have taken away those paid vacations, but it's because people have chosen not to take those off. And they laid those paid vacations on the table and have not used them. Uh, and this is getting more and more consistent. And it is even more consistent among millennials, among uh, those of you who have been born in the 80s or 90s, it is almost double the amount of days that are left on the table uh, for millennials. And the, and the survey asked the question, why? Why are you uh, not taking these days off? You have these vacation days. The companies that you work for, your workplace is giving you these days, days vacation. Why aren't you doing that? And the survey came up with uh, five, uh, six. Well, they came up with many uh, motivations for this, uh, but I'm going to give you the top six. The first motivation for why we don't take our paid vacations in the United States is that we don't want to have a mountain of work when we return. 
So we don't want to have a mountain of work. The second top one was no one else can do my job. If I leave, no one else is going to do it and things are going to be left uh, undone. Third one is we can't afford a vacation. It takes money to have time off and I can't afford that. The third, it's harder to advance in a company. When you take time off, you climbing up that ladder, it is going to be harder to advance. And the fifth reason is we want uh, to show dedication to our work. We want to show that we are hard workers and that we um, can, uh, and we can show that. And our fi the final reason is we don't want to be seen as replaceable. So um, what does this show about our culture here in the United States? That we have these reasons are reasons why we will stay working and not take off the day paid vacations that we, we have. And now, not everybody is in this situation. And next week, Ryan is going to speak more specifically on work and uh, maybe get into some of these topics a little bit more. But uh, what is the motivation behind us uh, for not taking these things? Well, we value, and this is a good thing, we value hard work. Uh, in the U.S., um, it is seen as a strong character trait to be a hard worker and working hard. I do have to, my, my parents are here today, and um, I will call out my mom a little bit. She's grandma to my three kids, and they every once in a while get retreats with grandma where they work with her. Uh, and my middle child, Danielle, uh, loves to be with grandma. Uh, and so she had one of these retreats, uh, these days with grandma one day, and they spent the whole day cooking. And grandma gushed over how hard of a worker she was. She sat, she stood next to me working the whole time, and she never complained. Uh, and that is a great trait. Uh, and I am very proud of my daughter for being able to do that. Um, but this is a culture that we have here in the United States, that hard work is a, is a really good thing. Um, if you look at Europe, Europe, on the other hand, averages 10 more vacation days a year than they, we do in the United States. And so other places in the world do not have the same culture as we have. But the other side of the thing is we value our rest. We value the weekends. We value our vacation days. We value holidays. We value time off. And, and, and we do prize those, but we have this balance of seeing hard work as a good thing and rest as a good thing. And what I want to do is I want to focus on this rest part and why we are seeking rest and why we look for rest, what are harmful ways we do that, and what is the true way that we are seeking rest. And this is what I want to come to as a conclusion here, is that finding true rest. Those other things aren't, aren't, aren't there's not, other motivations are not bad, but true rest comes when we can reflect on, God, on and know God through the work of Jesus Christ that enables us to be joyful and thankful in our work. True rest comes when we can reflect on and know God through the work of Jesus Christ that enables us to be joyful and thankful in our work. So ultimately, it comes down to Christ and the work that God has done through Christ. And can we rest in that? Can we rest in Jesus? So the text that I've chosen for this day, um, Lawrence has been preaching through Matthew and has uh, talked much on the, um, on the Sermon on the Mount and looking at kind of how things are kind of flipped upside down in terms of religion. 
Things are turned upside down in terms of religion. Well, two chapters after the Sermon on the Mount is chapter 11, and I am going to pick up the text on there. If you have a Bible, I did not put the words up here. There's some Bibles I know. I think I've seen some on the aisles, so you can use that. Your phones often have Bibles on them. Most of us probably have that, and uh, you can follow along in your Bible. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, and, and read through chapter 12, verse 14. This is what it says. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank the Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and had revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, and for such was your gracious, gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but for only for priests. Or have you read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profaned the Sabbath, but were guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you have known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And then he went on from there and entered into a synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And he asked him, is it lawful? And, and, um, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, stretch it. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored. Healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went on and conspired against him how to destroy him. So in this, we have a, have a story of what Jesus did on the Sabbath. But just before that, Jesus speaks about rest. And he says to come to me. I am going to give you true rest. Those of you who are weary, those of you who are heavy laden, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest for your souls. And then there's this story about the Sabbath which the Sabbath, many of you know, is the day of rest. It is the seventh day of the week in which people were to rest from their work and do no work. And the Pharisees took that as a rule, and they saw Jesus, his disciples, picking grains and eating them, and called it work, and called out Jesus for violating the law. In the same way, he had this man with a withered hand, and he healed the withered hand, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders called him out and said, you're doing work on the Sabbath. 
and trying to trick him. It is unlawful to do that. That's against the rules that we have established, that Moses established through God. And you're doing that. And Jesus' response is, the Sabbath, this is not about rules. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you look at the context of the verses ahead, I am the true rest. I am what you need to rest in. This day of the week, it's good. It's a great guideline. But if you rest in the law and the rule of the Sabbath, you are not going to find true rest. True rest is in me. I am Lord of the Sabbath. So we see that rest that we can find in Scripture. Um, I want to walk through um, kind of the biblical elements that we see throughout of Scripture, not just in this passage of what true rest is. It starts off um, with, with creation and God's view of work. Um, work is good in the Bible. Work is not bad. And many of us, I, we're all in different situations. Some of us have work, uh, paid work that we are full-time employees. Some of us are not. Some of us wish we had more work. Some of us wish we had less work. Some of us have a work to do that's not paid work. It may be volunteer work or it's just your lot that you are in life. I think of young mothers and the lot that they have of, of doing a lot of work in the home or with their child. Um, but all of us are in the different situations of, in terms of work. Uh, but we have, and we have different opinions, but I think work has a negative connotation. We, we do work just because we have to, but real life is outside of work. But work is good. This is what God established in the garden, and he established his pattern with himself, and then he established it with the first human beings. So in the beginning, God created the world. He created the universe. He created the earth. He created this perfect home for people. It was, it was, it was ideal. He took six days to make it, and it was good. The work that he did was good. Uh, and then he placed humans into it, and, and, and he made this perfect place for him, and he said, this is good. And then on the seventh day, he rested, and it was good. Six days he worked, they were good. Seventh day he rested. And then he put Adam and Eve into the garden, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and cultivate this garden, and work the garden. It's going to produce for you. This work that you have is good, and this was a beautiful thing. But we know that work is not always pleasant. Uh, work is burdensome, and that's part of the curse that God that happened at, as a result of sin, is that work is going to be hard. There's going to be toil in work. It's, we are going to be sweat is going to happen because of our work, and there is going to be some burden that work gives to us. And we have that, uh, no matter who we are. And therefore, we need rest. So work is good, but then there's this Sabbath principle of rest. Uh, the Sabbath principle is you work six days and then you rest one. If you think of this as a principle over all of life, there is work and there is rest. And it's, by the way, it's a six to one principle. It's not a one to six. We don't uh, work one day and rest six. Uh, but the, the Sabbath principle is you work six days and you rest one. And this is good. We need this rest. And God has given it to us. He rested on the seventh day, and he says we should rest on the seventh day because he did. He delivered people from slavery, and he says 
you should rest because you are no longer slaves. And so there is a Sabbath principle of rest. This is a needed thing that we have in our lives. There is a rhythm of work and rest. And we need to, on that day of rest, be able to reset our minds to see what the work we really have to do and to see the main principle behind it. So as a result, we get true rest. Uh, uh, If we put these things into proper order. True rest results in us knowing God and having our souls rested in him so that we can trust him more in what he has already done for us in Jesus Christ. So we have work, good. We have rest. But what we have to do is we have to constantly, we get distracted and we get lost in our work and we get lost in the job that we have. There is a work underneath the work. And that work underneath the work is what God did through Jesus Christ for all of us. He's already done it. And he's freed us from the burden of work. But he then gives us a good work to do. And he gives that to us so that we can be fruitful um, and, and do that. In Ephesians 2.10, uh, and, and many of you, if you've been in house churches for any length of time here at uh, Twin Cities Church, you probably have gone through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is more about how God sets up with the understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done, how he sets up a community to glorify him and a community that we are in right now, a church. Uh, And in the middle of that is Ephesians 2.10, which says that we are God's workmanship, that he created us for good works in Jesus Christ, that he planned ahead of time. So each one of us in here, if you're part of this church community, have a special gifting and a special work to do. And when we put all of our works together, our church has a work to do. And this is good. And this is, a, it, it, this is a really good thing. But your special work, the good works that God had before you, while it's good and while it's meaningful, it's not the work underneath the work. That is Jesus. And we want to always go back to that. And that's why we need this day of rest, to reset, to remind ourselves of what God has done, or at least this principle, this principle of rest. I wanted to look at some, and this, this goes to me, I want to look at some issues that rest is not, and the issues we see in our culture, and the issues that I see in my own life. I am, um, well, the, first, the first issue, rest is not an escape from this world and its troubles. If we see work as bad and we see the world as bad, then we will want to escape from it and find rest from escape. Escape is not true rest. We do not need to escape from this earth, but we do need to reset our thinking and renew our minds on what Christ has done. Uh, so this has been, this is probably the area that I struggled with the most. Um, and as I went through this Exodus class, I was able to, able to flesh out some of these issues that we have. We run towards escape to escape the things that, we are, that fill us with stress or fill us with a burden in our lives, and we try to avoid them and hide them. We can do this in many ways. There are substances that we can abuse or use, maybe not abuse, but at least use them to escape. There's entertainment, fun. I am going to escape this world through fun. 
Um, or you can escape it through distracting things that um, can ultimately lead to, to pretty sinful habits. And, and that, those were some of the things that were in my life. And recently, um, I was uh, looking at mine, and, and this is what I do, is, I, is I, I will isolate myself from my family, from my work, from my calling in God, and try to, uh, and try to hide through escape. Uh, and it, as I was preparing this sermon, I don't, I, I don't necessarily feel that this was bad, but as I was preparing this sermon, uh, I would work on preparing the sermon. And then I would, okay, okay, I, I, gotta, I gotta take a break. And I would rest. And then I would work on the sermon, and I rest. And I found myself in those periods of rest. I went to my computer, and I played um, a little, you know, the stupid, stupid computer games. One mindless computer games. And the, the, the computer game that I was playing, and I didn't realize this until, you know, halfway through, I was playing escape games. That's my newest kick right now. Uh, you, it's called Room Escape. You, you, you get locked into a room, and you have to click around and figure out these puzzles. People hate these games, uh, but I love them, and, and it's because you, you're, you're going nowhere, and then all of a sudden, you figure out something, and it's like, whoa, and the goal is to find the right key to get out of the room, uh, but you have to go through all these series of puzzles to do that, and I love those. I mean, I've been doing that. It's my, been my kick lately, and in... Uh, in that, though, I was escaping from my work by playing escape games. I thought that was, um, thought that was funny. All right, so true rest is not an escape, though. If we're just using, and I don't think escape is bad, necessarily. It's not that sinful to do some of these things. Uh, but if that's how you're finding your rest, it's not true rest. Second one is a way to recuperate. We can see, and this is if you are in the mindset of hard work, we know that we work hard and we will need to play hard. We work hard so that we can play hard. And that rest that we can have when we play hard is going to refresh us. Some of that is a healthy refreshing. We can, we can feel like, and, 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 and there are studies that show that this is good. When we take the longer vacations that we take and the days off during the weekend, they actually make us more productive. They help, help us to spend more time with our families, and they give us, they make us more happy. Okay, that's just culturally. That's not through Scripture. It's just what we see in, in different studies that have been done over what does rest do for us health-wise. Health but that's not the goal, to be healthy so that we can work more. We do have an important work to do, but we need to rest in Jesus and not rest just so that we can revive our bodies so that we can keep on going. So um, true rest is not a way to recuperate. A third one is it is what we deserve. And I, this is also for me, but uh, depending on your personality, I am an introvert, and I get my energy by being by myself. I, re, I, I refresh by being by myself, which can hurt my family, because <laughs> I isolate myself from my family, from my kids, from my wife, and from others, and even from God. Um, and I have excused sin in my life because of my personality, and said, I, I deserve this. I need this so that I can recharge. And rest is not just what we deserve. True rest is not what we deserve. 
And the final thing is, uh, rest is not a rule. And we can't get away from the fact that in the United States, and really around the world, the principle of rest is a religious habit. Sabbath day, for Christians at Sunday, and it's traditionally been Sunday, um, we can, we can make this a rule that we need to not work on Sundays and take the time off. And I think that's why uh, so many sports are played on Sundays so that we can feel like we're not, we're not doing work. But we have uh, a rule about this. And, and holidays, we have Christmas and Easter, but all religions have this holidays. And in our workplaces, if you are excused from work for a religious holiday... We do have this culture of, of, of religion. But if we make rest a rule, and this is where it gets really tricky, because I'm going to tell you at the end of this sermon that you need to take time to rest. But then that becomes a rule. And, and so there is a trickiness to not making it too religious. Uh, so we do have these two extremes, which we've been talking about in this church for a while. And the one extreme is we indulge in the flesh. We indulge in things um, that will give us rest. On the other thing, on the other side is religion. We make a religion out of rest so that we can have rules that we follow. And when we follow those rules, we feel better about ourselves and we feel like we are honoring God, and we are making ourselves right with God. That's a rule. Both of those extremes are selfish, and both of those extremes do not bring us towards true rest in Jesus Christ. And I would like to say that we're somewhere in the middle is where we should be, but I think this whole line of thinking, we are totally outside of that line of thinking is where true rest is. It's not about us, and not about those two extremes. It's about what Christ has done for us. So what is true rest? So true rest is trusting in Jesus. Trusting in the work that he's done. When we can rest and remind ourselves of Jesus and put our hope and trust in him. Jesus says in um, Matthew 11, he says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you trust that? Can you trust that when you come to Jesus, he is the one that's going to give you the rest? And it's not your work of indulgence. It's not your work of religion. But it's the work of Jesus that's going to give us this rest. True rest is trusting in Jesus. True rest is remembering God. Uh, and this is pattern in the holidays um, that you see in the Bible. And it's pattern in the Sabbath day that you see in the Bible. When you take that time for rest, we remember God. And we remember what he has done. You do that on the Sabbath. Rest for six days and then remember God. Keep that holy, that seventh day holy. We remember this in the holidays. In the Bible, there are all these feasts. There's the Feast of Harvest. There's the Feast of First Fruits. There's the Passover. And there's all these feasts. Each one of them, are about remembering really where this is coming from. The first fruits, you go out and you harvest, you work, and you get your very first fruits from your harvest. And you celebrate. And I'm sure there was joyous celebration there. But part of that celebration is this, wait, this is God. 
We are honoring and remembering what God has done. The Passover. This is a, a, a festival that, was, that, that extended many days. But in the Passover, what the Jewish custom was, was to remember what God did in Egypt and how he delivered us from slavery and remember what God did. We do this with Christmas. We do this with Easter. We do this, hopefully, with our Sunday meetings here in this church. We can remember God together, and you can remember God on your own, but uh, we should be coming together to rest and remember what God has done. True rest is also letting Christ be our master. The next line of this is, "Take my Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. That's uh, chapter 11, verse uh, 29. Jesus says, let me be your master. Take on my yoke, but it's an easy yoke. Because what you have to do is you have to trust in me because I have already done the work for you. But let me be in control. It's not about you seeking indulgence. It's not about you seeking rightness with God, but it's about you following me. And the final uh, true rest is worship. This is a chance when we rest, it's a chance for us to worship God without worry. To try to step away from the work that we have to worship God without the worry of the work. And we can do this again. We do this together. We have come gathered here to worship God. We have come gathered here together today to rest in God. And I don't know, many of you probably have to work today uh, or, or do something that you would consider work. Uh, and that's okay. But right now, we are remembering God and we're worshiping him. We worship him in song. We worship him in community together. We worship him in the things we are sharing with each other. We worship him in, in, in just the presence of us together. We can also worship God on our own. And each one of us does that in a different way. Uh, you, you can worship God through nature. You can worship God through art. You can worship God through song. My wife just mentioned to me, when she feels fully rested, it's when she sings. And then she sings and it just revives her soul. Um, but all of these have to come back to what God is doing. We have a work to do, but there is a work under the work. And the work we do is good and it's meaningful, but there's a work under the work. And if we get stuck on that work that we're to do, we can forget what it is. And I don't think anyone, if you've been a part of this church, uh, and some of you are, are new here, uh, but I don't think you, you disagree or you don't know the things that I am, I am saying here, uh, but we forget. If you're anything like me, we get distracted. And we're walking along in our life, we're doing our work, and our work becomes very, it may become very important, and we forget. We forget really what's behind it. And we prioritize our work. And we make our work, what we are doing, even if it's a good thing, maybe our work in the church even, we make it the thing and we forget about what's under it, what Christ has already done. And we need rest to remind us. 
and to reset us so that we can set our minds on things above. Colossians uh, 3, uh, 1 through 2, I think illustrate this. Uh, This is Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you know that, this is the reset. Remind yourself, you've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Let's seek those things. Seek the work underneath the work, that deep-seated work that God is doing. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. We need time to do that. But the danger is that we make this into a religion. And even as I speak, I can't help it. I, I, I'm, I'm, it seems like I, I feel like I'm, I'm saying this is, this is something we have to do. Uh, but it isn't. It's something that Christ has done. And so there is this balance between time to rest and feeling like we have to have the time to rest. Otherwise, we are not following Christ. Uh, and, and so there is a balance that we always have to remind ourselves, okay, where am I at in this? Uh, where am I at in this? I do want to uh, look at some practical ways, though, that we can, uh, we can rest. And these are things that I think are, are throughout of Scripture, everywhere in Scripture. Um, the main point of these practical methods is two things. One, let's not treat them as a religion, as a set of rules that we have to obey but look at them as guidelines, as principles that are going to help us find true rest. And the second principle is time. There just needs to be time for us to rest. Uh, It's time set out for us to rest. Um, Maybe intentionally setting it out or maybe just finding the time when we can. But there needs to be time for us to do that. But we can't make it a rule. And I want to emphasize that. The first is daily. We can daily rest in God. Um, Daily, we have a work to do. Every day, we have a work to do. But every day, we can reset. And we can remind ourselves of what Christ has done. Now, prayer, um, often we will see that as we are going to ask God for requests. And those are good prayers. Um, But um, the prayer here is, is a worshipful prayer. Can we remember God? Can we put our trust in Jesus? Can we worship God without worry? And can we try to do that as our prayer? And I think accompanying that is a a beautiful practice of silence. Um, And again, these are not not rules, but um, um, things. If you are silent, that's a more listening type prayer where we can let uh, let God speak to our souls and reset our souls. And if we take a daily time to do that, that's going to help us to do work more joyfully and thankfully in our lives. Uh, The other uh, practical method that we see in in Scripture is a weekly rhythm. There's a weekly rhythm of of Sabbath rest. Uh, And again, Sabbath rest is six days of work, one day of rest. And it's this... A day that we set aside to be intentionally worshipful and, and, and honoring of God. Uh, that uh, typically here in the United States is, is Sunday for Christians. Um, but I don't know if that's, that's not a rule 
Uh, but is there a point in your week? And this is not necessarily to isolate yourself and to separate yourself from others because we can do this in community. We can rest together. And I think it's even more beautiful when we rest together. But a time of the week, and we have house churches as well. We meet together as house churches. We can remind each other and we can love on each other and we can rejoice with each other and we can worship with each other about what God is doing. And that is rest. And then the, the final um, rhythm that we see in Scripture is a yearly. There's festivals, and, um, holidays that we can take time off to, to remember. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. This is our harvest festival. This is the feast of harvest that's in, in, in Scripture. It's in, I think it's in all cultures. But you take time off to, to, to rejoice in what God has done in our lives. He's provided for us. Let's remember God. There is a work that we are to do, and that work is good and meaningful. But what God is doing is the real work. And so let's reset and remind ourselves of that. I love it when George talks about the retreats that he has and some of the solitude time that he has. Uh, but I think this is very refreshing for our souls, too. If we can find time yearly throughout the year where we just take a moment a day, two days, where we, 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 we find ourselves in solitude. Uh, and that can be refreshing to the soul. Or retreat. Retreat could be with your family. It could be with your church. But can we retreat together in worshiping God? And those are some practical things uh, of ways that we can find rest. But I want to repeat uh, what true rest is. It's um, true rest Where's my statement? Here we go. True rest results in us knowing God and having our souls rested in him so that we can trust him more in what he's already done for us in Christ Jesus in order that we can be joyful and thankful in the work that we do. And hopefully next week Ryan will um, um, set the stage for where does this work? Where is this good work that we're doing how does that fit in to our life of worship with God? Um, let, me, let me pray. Actually, I <laughs> forgot about this. Um, the, uh, in this Exodus class, one of the last things that you do is you write a psalm. And I wrote a psalm. And this is embarrassing, but uh, I want to read my psalm that I wrote uh, in uh, the Exodus class uh, and this is after reflecting on how I, I, did, I was not seeking true rest, and I was finding rest in very harmful ways. Uh, so this is a psalm that I wrote. This is not a psalm from the Bible, so it's a poem. Um, but I think that's the same thing as psalm. I don't know. Psalm is a song, but I'm not going to sing it because I, I can't sing well. Uh, and it doesn't rhyme. So I guess it's not a poem, right, if it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> All right, this is what I said. Oh, Lord, you are great and you are good. Your glory fills heaven and earth. You abound in love and compassion for those who call upon you. In my mind, I know that you give rest to those who seek it. You promised it to Abraham and his descendants. You promised to Abraham and his descendants a land. You delivered Israel from the yoke of slavery in Egypt. You brought your people through miracles and strength to your place of rest, and you gave them a home. I also know that you have mercy and rest 
for me. This rest, Lord, I do seek. This home, Lord, I do seek. This land of promise, Lord, I do seek. Yet I fight against the enemies of life and the enemies of my soul. Since the beginning days of our life together, my wife has been ravaged by cancer. She has not had rest in her body. I have not had rest in my soul. We call upon you, but you don't seem to answer. Your plans, Lord, are mysterious. In my soul, also, I struggle with the lust of the flesh. Sin continues to creep into my heart. My heart, Lord, longs for the things that destroy my soul. I call upon you to deliver me, but you don't seem to answer. You don't even seem to answer in anger. Your rest, O Lord, I do seek. But in seeking after that which is good and holy, Lord, I have replaced your rest with an empty God. I have made an idol out of rest and have created it in my own image. Many of my surface sins, Lord, grow out of my ill-intentioned rest. I seclude myself, not to seek you, but to seek rest. I escape in my own activities, not out of training my soul, but to seek rest. I harbor frustration at the ones I love because they destroy my rest. I neglect my responsibilities because they are pressing in on my rest. My rest, Lord, is what I really seek. But in all of these, I never find peace. I do not find mercy. I do not find a home. Your rest, Lord, I do seek. O Lord, you are great and you are good. Your glory fills heaven and earth. You abound in love and compassion for those who call upon you. You do provide a rest for our souls. Your promise is throughout Scripture. On the seventh day, you rested. On the Sabbath, we are to rest in you. The earth will be fully recreated in Christ, and we can enter into that rest of yours right now. When I can see in my heart the great plans you have, when I can see the plan of your redemption, when I can see what Christ really means and what he did, when I can see the mercy you give to me, when I can see the peace you give to my wife, then I can enter into your rest. Give rest to my soul, O Lord. Let me not seek another. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time of worship that we have. I thank you for the song. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your message. I thank you for scripture that speaks to us. I thank you for Jesus. And I pray that we uh, today as a body, as Christians, can rest in you. For those of us who, who have been distracted and have been walking along without remembering and reminding ourselves of what you have done, I pray that we can find you and that you can give us this rest. For those of us who, who have not ever fully understood what true rest is, I pray that we can see that. And I ask um, that this would be done to glorify you, God, through the church. And that we can have a bigger idea of what you are doing in this world, in the Twin Cities, in Twin Cities Church, uh, in our own lives. And we can put our hope and our trust in that. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.